0: Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. A podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low-carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low-carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low-carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 66 Today we have a great guest. She is an American CrossFit athlete and now a medical doctor. She has competed in the CrossFit Games four times and has placed four times. And she has historically been one of the most successful women in the sport. Across her four CrossFit Games appearances, she has never finished outside of the top five. In 2010, she placed fifth. 2011, she placed fifth. 2012, she placed second, and 2014, she placed third. She was actually a favorite in 2015, but she was not able to compete after tearing her Achilles tendon during the season's second qualifying stage. She attended the Cleveland Clinic Lerner College of Medicine of Case Western Reserve University, and she is the host of a top-rated podcast, Pursuing Health. Today's guest, Julie Fouché, We'll share her background, how she got into the CrossFit Games, and we're going to learn a lot about her. It's a great interview, so I know you will enjoy it. Just to let you know a little bit about the format change, I've had several requests to make the podcast into smaller segments, so I'm going to try to keep each episode under 30 minutes so that it's easier to listen to, and as a result, some of my interviews are longer than 30 minutes, so I will just break them up into two parts. So today is part one of my interview with Julie, and next week I will publish part two. So let me know what you think about the new format, if you like the shorter version or the longer version, and I can always kind of modify based on what I'm hearing from you. If you have feedback, you can email me at dan at com, and be sure to check out my Facebook page at thelowcarbleader and my website at thelowcarbleader.com. All right, on to part one with Julie Fouché. Well, welcome to the show, Julie.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, very happy to have you on the show. I don't know if some of the listeners know who you are, those who don't follow CrossFit or medicine. So (laughs) if you want to take us back from the very beginning, maybe, we can go back as far as you want, but uh, maybe back to your gymnastics roots and and how you got into crossfit and we'll just go from there.
1: Oh, sure. Well, that's yeah. Well, I so I grew up in Michigan and I grew up doing gymnastics. That was sort of my primary sport. Um did it through high school. And then really didn't know what to do after after high school. Once I got into college, I felt kind of lost without having regular practices and teammates and coaches and structure to my workouts. And I, you know, I really knew that I wanted to still be active and I loved working out, but I just really didn't know what I was doing. So I would go to the gym and do the typical machines and the elliptical and the treadmills. And, you know, i sitting there, you know, in college, taking my notes and studying or reading while I was on the elliptical. And then, um, about, halfway through college is when I met my well now my husband Um, and at the time we met in the dorm rooms and he was looking at the CrossFit website crossfit.com and immediately it really piqued my interest and so he started telling me about it and then we did a few workouts in our school rec center and then we both joined the local CrossFit affiliate in Ann Arbor shortly after that so that's kind of how it all started.
0: Oh, that's cool. What was your undergraduate in?
1: Um, I went to the University of Michigan and I studied biomedical engineering as an undergrad.
0: So were you uh, interested in med school from the very beginning?
1: I was. So probably towards the end of high school is when I really started thinking about medicine. and I did engineering in college in part because my dad was an engineer, and he, you know, kind of influenced my sister and I to go that route, but I really loved doing it in the context of the human body. And so biomedical was really a perfect fit for me. And I loved problem solving. I love math and science, um, loved all the classes. It was great preparation for medicine, but I kind of always knew even from the beginning that that's the route that I wanted to go. Um, I still tried to, you know, I explored research. I learned a lot about what different engineering industry jobs could be like but at the end it all came back to for me the physician patient relationship and just that special opportunity that you have to influence someone's life and be there for them when they really need it
0: yeah very cool so you said you and your husband now his name is Mm -hmm. his
1: name is Danny
0: oh hey that's a that's a great great name Uh, (laughs) so you and Danny started looking at CrossFit what year was that
1: That was in 2000, the summer of 2008 is when we both started.
0: So you started CrossFit in 2008 and ended up in the CrossFit Games in 2010?
1: 2000, oh, you know what? It must have been summer of 2009 that we started, yes. We started summer of 2009 and then I, I was in the Games in 2010, yep.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, well, it was a very different time back then. It's, you know, but Games have evolved so much over the past 10 years and, um back then, I mean even back then I was doing a lot of vo- a lot more training and volume than a lot of the competitors were doing. Um but still it was like you could get by by doing an hour or two a day and still qualify the games and you go back and look at the numbers that we had back then and now those numbers aren't even getting into the regional competition. So the whole field has gotten so much better.
0: How did you go about qualifying for the first CrossFit Games. And maybe, maybe just talk a little bit about, for those that aren't familiar with the CrossFit Games, these are the pinnacle for
1: CrossFit, right? They are. So it's a once-year competition with athletes from all over the world. And now the qualifying process, at least for the past several years, it started usually in March, maybe late February, March, and it involves the worldwide open competition. So anyone from around the world can enter you just have to have either a camera to record yourself doing a workout or you have to be near a local CrossFit affiliate so they could validate your score and each week for five weeks um, CrossFit release one workout and everyone all the world does the same workout and then you put your scores in online and you can compare yourself to hundreds of thousands of people around the world and at the end of that five weeks the top 20 men and women in each region then qualify on to a regional competition, which is a live in-person three-day competition. Um, and the regions cover the whole world, so there's several regions in the United States, and then there's um, some that include Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia, um, Central and South America. So basically, anywhere you live, you can, you'll can you fall into one of the regions. And then the top couple of competitors from each of those regions qualify on to the CrossFit Games, which are usually held in July or August. Um, in the past, they've been held in Los, near Los Angeles. And then just this past year, they moved to Madison, Wisconsin for the first time. And that's where they're going to be for the next couple of years.
0: In 2010, you came in fifth, 2011, mm-hmm. fifth. 2012 Mm -hmm. second 2014 third so you you've Mm -hmm. been in four games and you've been in the top five all four games
1: yeah that's true (laughs) that's true but it was so different like so so that qualifying process now was a little bit different so the first year that I went in 2010 um, there wasn't an open online competition it started with a sectional competition which is an in-person event and then the regional competitions from there and at that time the regional competitions were different. So depending which region you lived in, you might get different workouts or you might get, um, you know, slightly different experience. But now it's really standardized. And ever since 2011, we've been doing that open competition. And it's, it's really an amazing time for the whole community to get involved. And so it's not just about the top competitors who want to qualify regionals or the games, but a lot of it is about local gyms getting their whole community together. A lot of them will do Friday night lights competition so Friday night everyone in the whole gym will do the workout they'll have a little party afterwards and it just brings the whole community together a lot of times people end up in that environment which is why you know competition is so amazing is it really brings out the best in us. so people end up doing things they never thought they could do just because of that little added pressure of it being a competition
0: yeah well congratulations on all your success and then coming in second that's so close <laughs> uh
1: it is <laughs> how
0: from from your mental standpoint how was that I mean I'm, I'm sure you were thrilled to come in second but it had to mm-hmm. it had to be a challenge not sure. to get the you, first place
1: sure you know it was but at the same time I think for me the bigger challenge was the previous year when I year when I came in fifth for the second time in a row because that year I was I knew I was capable of getting on the podium and Um, It was completely a mental game for me that I ended up back right where I, you know, right where I had been the year before, because I had really set my expectations in the wrong way, where I'd almost been thinking in the back of my mind, just don't do worse than last year, instead of really trying to see what I was capable of. And so that year was much harder for me to swallow because I knew I was capable of better. And so the following year, when I did finally make it on the podium, it was certainly very rewarding. And I was really, really happy to be in second. And, um, there's definitely always a part of me that, you know, I had been in first place for a lot uh, much of the competition. And I, you know, of course would have loved to win the CrossFit games, but you know, you can't look back on it forever.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: And, and the following year, you know, I did, I ended up after that year, I took a whole year off because that was during my second year of medical school. And I, needed to focus on school at that time. And then when I came back in 2014, again, it was, you know, in part it was just some uncertainty of just having a whole year away, all the other competitors getting better and just being able to make it back and then get back on the podium was amazing. But again, you know, I had always been really shooting for that that top spot. And then 2015, which was the last year that I attempted, um, which was kind of my last shot at at getting on the podium before I had to finish out my medical career or at getting the first place before I had to finish out my medical career. I unfortunately ended up with an injury at the regional competition, so I didn't get an opportunity to compete at the games that last time. But you can honestly, you can look back and always wonder, but I'm so, so happy with the way that my career went and I wouldn't change anything.
0: Oh yeah. It's amazing. And I was just kind of doing the math here. So you were in, undergraduate or medical school the whole time you were competing then
1: I was I was lucky in that my medical school was very supportive and so just in general just as part of our regular curriculum we all did a year of research and they allowed me to spread that out and do two years of research so that's what allowed me to compete in 2014 and 2015
0: Oh, cool. And so you are a physician now. Congratulations on that. I am. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, finally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: going into family practice.
1: I am. You started,
0: are you your first year resident now?
1: I am. Yep. Just a few months in, but it's already going by so quickly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that's three years, correct? Three years. Yep. Well, good. That's awesome. And, and that, uh, that's a great specialty, primary care to be in to treat people. Like you were talking about earlier, making that connection with your patients. Family practice is a great place to do that.
1: Absolutely, I love the relationships that you can build as a family physician, and the long the long term relationships that you have with your patients. Now, some of our faculty have been seeing their patients for decades, and they know you know they've delivered their babies and their grandbabies and, um, take care of their kids and their grandparents and help them through, you know, end of life decisions. And so it's just such an amazing, all encompassing specialty. Um, and I also, you know, the other thing that really drew me to it was the opportunity that you have for prevention and really to help people be as healthy as they can possibly be, where in other specialties, the focus a lot of times is mostly on just trying to treat disease or treat symptoms.
0: Yeah. And it's always great. You know, I I spent like 20 years as a hospital CEO. So I I know a lot of doctors and it's, Mm -hmm. it's always good that the doctor is a good example of health. I'll say that, you know, yeah, you have to
1: practice what you preach. Yeah,
0: (laughs) And not not all of them are, but, but they're, but they're my friends. So I can't say anything. (laughs) Uh, So uh, in medical school, what was your favorite moment? And what was your least favorite moment throughout the four years?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a really great question. I think, you know, favorite moments, there's so many good moments, but probably those, just those moments where you, especially during your third year of medical school, it's such a roller coaster because you're constantly going into different specialties and you're there for a few days or a few weeks or a month and then you're moving into a different environment and so you're always in different environments working with different people and just trying to like figure out how to fit in and all these different cultures and so there's I think there's so many days during that year that were either really great or really bad just you know coming home and feeling especially in family medicine coming home and feeling like wow I really this is exactly what I thought it would be and it's exactly what I want to do with my life and just that feeling of finally knowing what you want to do and where you want to go for residency and um, how you want to be able to help people I think is really rewarding um, and it takes a long time to get there and they have that feeling. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of medical students, they're rushed into that decision very quickly because in my program, we had the luxury of an extra year to, to try to explore and figure that out. And for a lot of students, you know, you have to make that decision really quickly before you're filling out your applications and applying and taking your board exams. So I think that those are probably some of the best moments. And then worst moments, I mean, it can just be overwhelming at times and or frustrating at times, like, kind of how I mentioned just being in different environments and with different people, and you're always trying to to do the right thing and to be helpful, but everyone has different expectations so what work you know what what you know you're working with one resident or one faculty member who likes things done a certain way and then you work with someone else, and that's like the absolute worst way that you <laughs> yeah. can do them, and so yeah. a lot of times you just sort of have to learn that the hard way and not let it get to you and just, you know, learn to adapt in the moment. So those are probably some of the more difficult times.
0: I'm, I'm amazed. I mean, you did med school and trained. I mean, that's for those not familiar with medical school. It's pretty intense. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. Kind of going back to CrossFit. This is maybe somewhat of a loaded question, but I have I have several friends who are orthopedic mm-hmm. surgeons. They see a lot of CrossFit injuries. What would be your, like your recommendation for, cause I think, I'm, and I, I think CrossFit's very cool, but I think what happens is, you know, people that haven't worked out for a long time, they're like, Hey, I, I'm going to jump into CrossFit and, mm-hmm. you know, get in shape and then they get injured. What would be your recommendations? Like, do you see more injuries on just overexertion or bad form or so somebody who's interested in getting into CrossFit, what would be your recommendation or your tip for them?
1: Sure. I think it's a great question. Um, so with CrossFit, it's, it's like any other tool that you have. It's like learning any other new sport, like, you know, playing pickup basketball or playing golf or going water skiing or going snow skiing. There's a certain level of risk associated with it. Just like there's a level of risk associated with anything that we do in our lives. Um, and so it has to be implemented, probably, you know, there's certain ways that it can be implemented to be as safe as possible. Just like if you were to go snow skiing, you wouldn't want to just be a beginner and start at the top of the mountain and go bombing down. You would probably want to start on the bunny hill and you'd maybe want to get some lessons and wear a helmet and have the appropriate equipment and all that stuff. So CrossFit is intended to be scalable and we have a charter that is, mechanics, consistency, consistency, and then intensity. So that means always first and foremost working on mechanics of appropriate movement. So learning the movements, making sure that you're moving well, um, and then doing that in a consistent basis before you add in the intensity piece. And most good CrossFit affiliates that you go to will implement that by either doing an on-ramp program or working one-on-one with some of the trainers before you're thrown into a general group class, um, in which you have to have a certain level of knowledge and experience to be able to know your own limits and scale the workouts appropriately and work, you know, with the trainer in that class, um, who's also working with all the other athletes to make sure that you're scaling appropriately and doing the workout in the best way for you. Um, so I think this is sometimes what's overlooked when people get so excited about CrossFit and, or maybe they have a background as a, as an athlete, but they haven't been working out for five or 10 years. And all of a sudden they jump back into it and that spark is lit and they mentally can really go to that place where they can suffer. And they're not paying attention to that charter of mechanics, consistency, intensity. So I think, you know, that's, that's the kind of the part that we have to be mindful of. And especially as affiliates where trainers are so, so important in helping to make sure that people are using that charter and that they're moving well. Um, and then the intensity piece is obviously where we get most of our results from, but it's only helpful if you're, if you know how to move properly first. Um, so I think that's probably what I would say most. And then I would also just say that, you know, people like to target CrossFit, but how many injuries do you see from running? How many injuries do you see from people? I mean, I, you know, I, did tear my Achilles because I probably pushed myself too hard in the moment of a competition. But, um, how many Achilles tears do you see from middle-aged guys playing basketball or running? Um, it's, sports injuries are kind of part of the process of using our bodies to move and to exercise. And if I look at the grand scheme of my life, I'd rather, you know, use mechanics, consistency, intensity, move as well as I can be super healthy so that I don't have diabetes. I don't, you know, I can help to regulate my mood a little bit. I don't have all these other chronic conditions that are really going to slow me down and put me at higher risk of heart attacks and strokes and, um, and an early death and instead have maybe, you know, tweaked my ankle here and there, or, you know, a sports injury here and there for me it's the overall, when I look overall at my life, that to me is much more worthwhile than to just sit and do nothing and then suffer from all these other diseases.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. So how how can you find a good CrossFit studio because it seems there there's a lot more now. Are they And I know in the past you you have to be you had to be part of a charter you had to be part of the I don't even know the terminology mm-hmm. but the CrossFit sure. sanctioned is it still like that with the growth of them or um
1: It is, yeah. Yeah, so to be a CrossFit to affiliate as a CrossFit gym, um, you have to have passed the level one or taken the level one course and passed the, the level one exam. Um and then there's an affiliate fee that is like a yearly fee that you have to pay. And um that's pretty much the entry level for becoming a CrossFit affiliate. So there are a lot of CrossFit affiliates around. Um then now coaches can really start to distinguish themselves because there are multiple levels of CrossFit coaches. So level two coach, um, basically goes through another course. That's a lot more hands-on, um, experience and feedback on their coaching. So they're being evaluated, not only on the knowledge that they have in their head, but how do they implement that? How do they teach a class? How do they see people move, identify movement faults and correct those faults? Um, all those different types of things. And then the level three coach is, uh, it's actually a certification. So there's certain requirements you have to, you have to have a certain number of training hours before you can even sit for the test. You have to be, I think, CPR certified. And then that's a computer-based exam. Um, and then, um, you have to do continuing education as well in order to keep that. And there's really, not very many people who have it yet in the grand scheme of things it's been out for a couple of years but it's a challenging test I know a lot of people who you know had to take it multiple times in order to get that certification but if you find a level three coach and then um, even level four which is coming soon is basically a exam but it's a practical exam so where someone comes in and observes your coaching and then scores you on that And that is really going to be sort of the ultimate pinnacle of being a good coach and being able to identify who the good coaches are in our community. And so I think if you're looking for a CrossFit affiliate, that's something to start with is seeing, do they have a level two or a level three certification? Um, And then the second thing is just going and trying a few different affiliates or going and, you know, stopping in and seeing how they run. Because the beauty of CrossFit is that every affiliate is different. So it's not like... When you go to a fast food restaurant or a franchise and you walk in and everything's exactly the same, um, every gym is run differently and the owner has, you know, can kind of build their own community and decide how they want to run their gym. And so there's certain gyms that you're probably going to fit in really well with. And then there's some that maybe not be, might not be as great of a fit. And so I think that's important is like finding your community, finding the people that you get along well with, um, the structure that works for you. Um, And then also looking for a gym that has some sort of an on-ramp program or private sessions with trainers that you can go through prior to starting right into a group class. Because like I said, it's really important to spend that time learning the movements and making sure that you're moving well before you put yourself in an environment where you might be tempted to go straight to intensity before paying attention to those factors. Thank you for being with us today and we hope that you are on the road to your successful
0: low-carb lifestyle. Become a leader in your health and a leader in life. Check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com and remember to join Dan again next time
1: on the Low Carb Leader Podcast.